Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to our latest series on ad tech. Today, I'm delighted to have my very good friend, Jer Amara, join us. Now, Jer is CEO and co-founder of Spiral, who set out to solve the challenge of getting the right message to the right people at the right time. Spiral empowers their clients to attract, convert, and retain more customers through personalized video at scale. He set the company with his brother Dave back in 2014 and has been going from strength to strength ever since with clients such as BA, Diageo, Unilever, Philips, Red Bull, and Vodafone. The list just goes on. Today, we will learn from Jur about his journey into ad tech with Spiral and why he chose ad tech. Also, what happened to ad tech over the last 12 months as a result of COVID-19? And what will the trends be for the future in this exciting space? So welcome to the show, Jur. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to have you on the show and uh, fantastic to see how well you're doing with Sparable. But listen, tell us a bit about you and how your journey started into this space. Absolutely. So uh, as you kind of said there, you know, about five years or so ago, I founded Sparable with my brother, Dave. And at the time, you know, I was actually working in financial services. I was a developer myself. So always creating things, always looking at you know, challenges around um, a lot of the challenges we were solving was like how to create content at scale and data-driven content in particular. And one of the things myself and Dave noticed about video and about how brands were creating video was that when you looked at all the digital channels out there, the brand's video content tend to be very generic. So you look at a television commercial for a particular brand, you'd go on Facebook at the time maybe, or some of the some of their programmatic display channels, and it'd be pretty much the same ad for everybody everywhere. And what we realized, and it was kind of like one of the big theses, was that you know the future is about being more personalized, creating you know video content that is more useful for people, and so it's more relevant to them. And that's the um, the challenge we set about solving. You know, how can we create video at scale that is more useful for each audience out there? And the, the reality is that, you know, ad tech and advertising has changed massively uh, over the last 10 years or so, because now you have all these new social channels, you have these new digital channels, and that's increasing all the time. But, you know, these platforms have the ability to understand audiences. They know where you are, what time of the day it is in a particular location. They know whether you're male or female, and they know what your interests are. And if that data is used in a really sensitive and careful way, then what you can start to do is start to create content that's more relevant for that particular audience in that particular moment. And that's essentially what Sparable does. You know, we take that data from these platforms and allow the brand then to build dynamic video templates and create not just one video, but hundreds or even thousands of different videos, each one relevant to an audience. And I guess, you know, you mentioned a few of the brands that we work with, Ken, but if we think about, you know, a brand there like um, a CPG brand, so maybe Procter & Gamble or somebody like that, you know, for one of their brands. If you're in London 
and it's sunny today. It might be talking about one particular brand, but in you know, if you're in Paris and it's raining, it's talking about a different brand. And for a different audience, you know, it's talking about something different again. And it might be also telling you the nearest store where you can buy that particular brand. So it's changing how you view a video ad. It's no longer looking like an ad. It's looking more like useful, relevant content. Amazing. So how did you go about then? You know, you saw the challenge, obviously. How did you go about finding that solution? Well, it's been a journey. Mm. So we've been building the platform over five years. And actually, when we started out, we were focused on email marketing. Because, you know, our kind of area focus at the start was looking at the data that brands have on their existing customers, all that CRM data that's stored in Salesforce, etc. So you really understand what your customer's buying, etc. You know, you know what their interests are, their behaviors are, etc. How can you use that to create content that's useful? And we started off doing things like, for fashion retailers, uh, personalized lookbooks. So you'd buy the shirt and would recommend in a video format, a style guide. Hey, that shirt goes well with the jeans, the shoes, etc. And it's all tailored to you. Your name might be in it, etc. And it also might be then, you know, dynamically linking through to your nearest store or buy online, etc. So we started there. And, you know, we listened a lot to the kind of the feedback and where all our clients were starting to move their budget was towards some of the new platforms like Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, etc. So there was a shift towards social in particular. And we doubled down on that kind of trend and became partners with those platforms. And today, we still do service that kind of CRM, uh, one-to-one personalized video, but increasingly, a lot of the dynamic video content that Spurrow produces is pushed out across these social channels. But who knows in the future where that's going? Already, you know, we're seeing you know, platforms like Twitch and some of the gaming platforms mm-hmm. really taking off. So how people, you know, spend their time and where they consume content in future mightn't necessarily be just on social channels, it will be on other areas as well. So things like, you know, digital TV channels, uh, gaming, etc. So it's moving very quick. I think it's a very fluid thing. You know, we started in one area, now we're kind of strong in another area, but in the future, that could easily move into places and digital channels that today are only fledglings, but who knows in five or ten years, you know, the pace of change. Well, that's incredible. But just actually, um, just talking about what you mentioned there about the different channels, I mean, Instagram is Facebook, or the list is just getting bigger and bigger. Do you focus on certain channels or is it certain sectors are focusing on certain channels? Do you guys focus on all channels? How do, how do you work that? It's a good question because as soon as you start integrating with channels, that comes, there's a cost associated with that. You know, you've got to, build relationships with the different uh, teams at the different platforms. And then you've got your tech costs of integrating and maintaining that. Um, so there is a certain amount of decision-making around where, where do you want to put your focus? And a lot of that is driven by customer demand. Um, okay. You know, where where are our key strengths? And a lot of what we do is live data-driven video. So the video you see now and the video you see in an hour has changed depending on pollution levels or somebody scoring a goal in a game or the fact that it's gone from the morning time into the afternoon, the video changes. So we look at what platforms, you know, complement our strengths and also then where's the customer demand. So, you know, our clients are, are kind of fairly big enterprise clients. So we're constantly taking the feedback from them and making decisions about where do we put our emphasis and, and put our time and focus. Okay. And for the actual end client then, I mean, 
Are they, do you find they're focusing across platforms or do you find that they're really targeting a, a couple of specific platforms in your experience? Uh, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of change at the moment. And I think a lot of the, the media strategies, um, from our clients, um, are evolving. You know, there are a couple of dominant platforms out there, Facebook and Google being the two big ones, but increasingly, you know, some of the, the bigger clients are spreading their budgets because they realize that, you know, okay, Facebook and Google have massive reach, but you know, there are a lot of other channels and things are changing quickly. And it comes down to a lot to do with the demographic of your user and your end customer. So if you're after a younger audience, for example, you might be more interested in Snap or in TikTok. If you're interested in, you know, more of a slightly more mature audience, it might be a different channel, etc. So different clients will have a different media mix and I'll be determined largely about where their audiences are. And, you know, they'll constantly be tweaking that. It's digital marketing and, and ad tech is is very coin operated. It is very performance focused. So, you know, you have very experienced media people at these brands and agencies that are constantly optimizing how they spend their budgets on what channels, who to target, etc., to really get the best ROI for every dollar that they spend. Sure, very interesting. Tell us, I mean, we've seen a major change in the last year with COVID-19, the ways of working, the move now to e-commerce uh, has been extra, I mean, it's kind of huge. How has that impacted your industry? What, what have you seen? What's positive and negative as those of this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that we're starting to uh, put a bit of focus on right now is how is COVID going to impact the festive season, which is very quickly coming around and is obviously a key time of the year for retailers and consumers. And it most certainly will have a big impact. You know, obviously with social distancing, you know, how we would traditionally go about our Christmas shopping is going to change. Now, there's been a trend towards doing more more of that shopping online, but it is going to be vastly uh, accelerated this year in particular. So, you know, with more consumers shopping online, how they actually discover the products is going to change. And, you know, these are some of the trends that have been happening over the last number of years, but we're going to see a huge leap forward this year. So you're going to have, you know, you have Black Friday, coming up and right. then you'll have the the rush before Christmas that's going to be accelerated this year but we're we're expecting as well um, an increased focus on digital advertising because that discovery phase uh, where the customers would maybe previously have browsed through a department store that's going to be replaced with browsing online etc and getting inspiration from their feeds and social and across across the kind of digital channels so there's going to be a big shift there. And what we're kind of expecting, you know, I think there's two of the clients that we're working with that are leading the way in terms of how they're handling the COVID situation and how they're thinking about this. And one of them is Aldi. So we work with Aldi across Facebook and Instagram in particular, creating hyper-localized video ads around their stores. Um, And what the video uh, is driven by is how busy the particular store is. So if you're sat in Clapham in London and you're within a kilometer of an Aldi store, when you're scrolling through Instagram, the video ad from Aldi is telling you that the Aldi store is quite now or it's busy now and suggesting a time when it would be best to visit. 
So if you think about how they're handling this, they're creating video content that's actually useful and relevant to people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really look like an advert anymore. It looks more like useful information. When's the best time to beat the crowd and visit the store? So that's a simple change, but very powerful and driven by that kind of live data that's indicating how busy each of the stores are right now and updating the video automatically and changing what you see. When you look at that, you scroll through Instagram tomorrow, you'll see something different. It'll be telling you, hey, it's really quite white right now, great time to visit, or else suggesting a time later when it's a bit quieter. So that's a really good example about how they're handling, you know, the current situation, how they're, you know, basically considering things like social distancing and a change in consumer consumer behavior. And as we get towards Christmas, et cetera, that's going to be increasingly important. So that's one example. The other example I'd like to share is from our work with Diageo. And what these guys are doing is on a more personalized level. And what they're enabling their customers, in particular for their premium spirits to do, is to create a digital message that they associate with the bottle for gifting. So this kicked off around Father's Day, and it will be ramping up towards Christmas. And essentially what they're enabling you to do is once you purchase a bottle of, for example, Scotch whiskey through Diageo, there's a label on the bottle with a QR code. You scan the QR code with your phone and you can set a message. So you could set a video message, hey, Ken, happy Christmas, you know, from, from Jur or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And then when I gift that to you, yeah. you take out your phone, you scan the QR code and it plays that message. And the message yeah. stays with the bottle for the life of the bottle. So now you're starting to put a personalized digital video with a physical good, and it's changing the value proposition for the customer. You're not just getting a bottle of scotch anymore. Yeah. You're getting this digital card or digital message that stays with it. And every time you take out that bottle of scotch, you can activate the message, and it reminds you uh, you know, who it came from, etc. So two really nice ideas and two ideas that have accelerated very quickly in the current environment. And I think good examples of how major brands are really thinking very hard, putting a lot of effort into understanding how is consumer behavior changing and how can we help the consumer out? How can we make this a better experience given the environment we find ourselves in today? So I'd say, would you say COVID has been a positive thing then for the ad tech world? I wouldn't say it's positive because, you know, the first thing that gets hit at any corporate when there's a downturn in the economy is marketing budgets. So I think on saying that, there's still marketing budgets around, but how they're being spent, there's going to be more consideration and more focus on, okay, well, what gets, what's useful to our customers, what gives us a, a return on investment, what engages people and, and leads to conversions. So I think there's challenges, there's headwinds, and these are cycles that the ad and marketing in- industries go through when there's a, a downturn in an economy, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think what it has highlighted is, and what it has accelerated, is a shift towards digital and a really um, a real focus on, okay, our customers are moving online. How do we create content that is going to stand out from the crowd online and get our brand noticed and get our customers' attention so that we can help them make the decision to engage and ultimately buy our product. So there's been a shift. It's accelerated that shift towards digital for sure. And I think what would have happened over the next 10 years or so has probably happened in 10 months. 
um, or a lot of it. Right. So that's exciting. But on the other side, yeah, there's most certainly headwinds. And as we know, going into 2021, you know, it would be interesting to see the big brands out there, you know, what impact has COVID had on their overall budgets, etc. So, yeah, challenges and opportunities. But in relation to your company, is it mainly the big brands you work with or do you also work with smaller and uh, medium-sized companies also? So we've got a mix. There is a focus on enterprise for sure, but we also get really excited working with those digital disruptors. Okay. You know, and quite often they're medium-sized businesses that are very digital-focused, very data-focused, and it excites us to work with them because they drive a lot of our innovation okay. by collaborating with them. They bring ideas. They're very focused on testing and learning. And, you know, what there is is working through a proof of concept with somebody, you know, some of these companies, you learn an incredible amount and very quickly. And quite often then that is fed back into future product roadmaps and everything else. So we like to keep that mix. You know, we know as a smaller company, we can't be all things to all people. So, you know, we keep our focus on large enterprise where we have a real strength and digital disruptors that want to move fast and that really want to innovate, you know, we find that they're a really good fit for us. Okay. Just in relation to data, because it is all on data, has the whole area of GDPR, this cookies thing now, has that, is that impacting you guys uh, badly or positively? It's an interesting, it's impacting the ad tech in, industry in general, for sure. And I think there's a big emphasis from every brand on protecting people's privacy and being sensitive around that, not just for legal reasons, but, you know, that it is so important that, you know, as we move forward, it is now top of the agenda for a lot of brands, making sure that everything they do respects privacy, respects data, et cetera. So that's something that that's something that has been happening now for a while. There's a lot of regulation now around that, uh, which is a good thing. And it actually, in many ways, it strengthened the value proposition of some of the walled gardens. So some of the the Googles, etc., that have done a good job of maintaining the protecting the data, but they actually have a lot of data behind their walled gardens. So it strengthened their offering in many ways. And I think it would be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of years. But, you know, as far as we're concerned, you know, we've got a, a simple enough kind of approach to it. It's like never do anything that would be regarded as creepy. It's all about how do you create useful content and being very clear on where we draw the line between that. And the sort of brands that we work with are totally aligned with that mission because they want to create useful content, but nothing that's intrusive or nothing that uses data that people wouldn't want used. So, you know, you need to have that integrity. You need to have that kind of cultural value drilled into your beliefs. Because I think when it comes to making decisions about which clients to work with and what sort of work we'll do with them, we're always looking at, okay, well, what's the underlying data that's been used? And is it ultimately creating useful content? Or is it crossing the line between being useful and now starting to be intrusive? Interesting times ahead for sure. Over the next couple of years. So tell me, finally, what I mean, what are the trends? What's the future? Where are we going in the future, do you believe? I think, um, you know, there's a few trends out there. You know, we for sure, 
the number of digital channels is going to continue to grow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned TikTok, Twitch, etc. There's many more. We're seeing there's a lot of other channels when it comes to like voice and everything else, and you add that in, how people consume movies and everything else is changing all the time. So there's a lot of change in consumer behavior when it comes to digital content. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. For us, though, one of the biggest trends around creative and around creating video in particular is the emergence of AI as a creative tool. Um, And I think that's super exciting. And we don't see AI replacing, you know, a creative agency. But what we do see is that, you know, creative agencies will use AI tools to vastly enhance the creative process. And there'll be a whole lot of different points along that process where AI will have a major impact. But things like the ability to test and learn concepts and test and learn that big idea very early on, you know, before it's pushed out and you have to wait for six months of data to see if it worked, you'd be almost able to get to a state where AI is helping you become predictive. Will this big idea or this concept resonate with a particular audience? AI is giving you the insight and the recommendations around what elements of it will work and what elements won't. And that will very, very quickly, you know, fast forward that feedback loop that the creatives have around testing concepts, understanding what's going to really resonate for their audience and and work well for their brand. I think the creative teams that start embracing these AI tools will see incredible results because now basically you have the power to leverage all that data around performance, around creative, about around what actually works well for particular audiences and crunch it and actually get insights and recommendations that you know, you, you previously couldn't get. So I think that's a very exciting area. So it'd be interesting to see how that involves. And who knows, you know, ultimately, we might start to see machine-generated content, a machine-generated video that's as good, if not better, or, or even a lot better than what a, a top creative team could produce. Um, so it's it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out we already can see the benefits of AI and machine learning when it comes to test and learn, when it comes to creative optimization. And I think we're literally at the start of that journey. It's going to be, it won't happen overnight. There's going to be a number of phases, but the tools will start to come in. And uh, yeah, the end uh, result might be, you know, AI driving um, a lot of the creative automation, a lot of the creative optimization. Fascinating, Jerry. Actually, I've done a, uh, done a bit of work recently where the, you know, there's some podcasts about the whole area of AR, augmented reality. Um, is that something that you think will come along the line as well uh, with your space? Because it's video focused, obviously, but in the future, have you looked at that at all? Is it too early to look at it? It's a very interesting space. The AR, VR space is very interesting. You know, you know, we don't have video in our name. The future may well be in other formats. And, you know, the way we see them is there are other formats and they allow you to do different things, but they align very closely with our vision, you know, create useful content. Mm -hmm. And whether that is, you know, true AR or true video, you know, I think um, it's just purely down to kind of customer behavior. I think AR and VR open up a whole new dimension in terms of what you can do, you know, and we already see the benefit of 
kind of localizing video, bringing in live data overlays and that sort of stuff. And it does feel that the next evolution of that could well be in an AR space or, you know, uh, or a VR space. But I think the factors that will accelerate that are consumer behavior and also developments in the underlying hardware. And, you know, if tomorrow somebody really cracked a kind of a, you know, a, a VR headset or VR glasses and consumers really started getting behind it, then I'd see the demand for content for it would only explode. So, yeah, you know, watch this space. Yeah, for sure. Who knows where we'd be over the next few years. Yeah, I think that's the feedback I got as well. Where we're still waiting on the harbor. Once the hardware comes mainstream, like you say, with the glasses and the phones, that's when things will change. But three to five years out, I'm, I'm heard at the moment that the way technology is moving, it just never know these things. You never know. And you know, three or five years, it could be totally different. So, you know, as a, as a technology company, we stay very close to these developments. And, our, you know, I think the key thing is our vision is the same, regardless of the channel or regardless of the hardware that it's been pushed out across or the format that the content is in. And that's what excites me, gives us the opportunity to really focus today and kind of nail being the world's best at, you know, dynamic, personalized, live data driven video. But in future, you know, those formats, it might be other formats. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where it excites me about the kind of the potential behind creating content at scale that's relevant and personalized for people. Awesome, Ger. Huge congrats on the success of your seventh day. What you've achieved is amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're working together already, but follow you guys in the future and see what happens. If no. um, or anyone in the audience would like to get in touch with you, I mean, what's the best way to get contact you? Yeah, so just reach out. You know, there's a, a contact form on our website. Please get in touch or, or hit me up on LinkedIn. You know, love to, to have a chat and, uh, you know, answer anybody's questions, and share some ideas. So, yeah. And thanks again, Ken, for the opportunity. Pleasure working with you guys in Poland. So thank you very much for everything. And yeah, talk to you again soon. Awesome. Much appreciated, Joe. Have a good day, yeah? Good stuff. You too. Cheers.